our mission, we're about helping people find and follow Jesus. We want people to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord and live their life for King Jesus. We're going to continue in our series. We've been calling this series, Thou Shalt the Ten Commandments. And each week, one by one, we're going through the Ten Commandments. And this is the third installment. And so if you brought a Bible with you, if you don't, there's probably one in, the ch- in a chair near you. Just reach under and grab that. And if you would turn to Exodus chapter 20, verse number 7 is where we're going to be today. And I'm calling to this sermon, Not Take the Lord Your God's Name in Vain. I want to jump right into the text. Usually I have some illustration, story, kind of get us warmed up. No warming up. We're going to go right to the word of God. Exodus 20, verse 7. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So that is at least half of the, 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 the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the, the Lord your God in vain. So a lot, of, a lot of discussion about that. What does that mean? Maybe a better question or another question we could ask is, what does that not mean? Because we kind of need to discuss that. Well, so let's talk about that. What does that not mean? Has anybody ever in your lifetime, maybe it happened when you were a kid, had a bar of soap stuck in your mouth? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I did too. For me, it was a bar of zest. I remember it very clear. I remember that pale blue bar sticking out of my mouth, and if I hear the jingle, I get PTSD. My mom did it. She did it. She's the one. Call Child Protective Services. Now, now, I must have said something that my mom thought needed to be cleaned up, and so thus the bar of soap. And I'm just telling you this story to say that I don't think that what God is talking about when we come to the third commandment. You know, potty talk, though it's not appropriate, it's not breaking the third commandment. It's also not when we, we use strong language. Okay, by strong language, I think there's some examples in the Bible of, of guys that, that use some strong language and God did not st- stick soap in their mouth. Now, Isaiah, he, it says in, in, that he came from a people of unclean lips. Now, God took a hot coal and stuck it in his mouth. I think that would change your, 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 your language should you need to. But again, that's not what we're talking about here when it comes to the third commandment. Jesus had some strong stuff to say. Okay, Jesus said some really strong stuff. For example, he called guys a pile of snakes. And Jesus is sinless, and so I think it's okay for us to use that type of language. Maybe next time you stub your toe, we should say, brood of vipers, and instead of something else you might say. But the Bible has lots of strong language. In the Old Testament, there were guys called the prophets, and they killed them. And they didn't kill them because they were singing nursery rhymes. These guys were, were using some pretty strong language. But there's times when strong language is needed. For an example, if somebody is committing adultery on their spouse, we don't say they made a mistake. No, we said they're, they're committing adultery. Is that strong language? Yes. But there's times when strong language is needed. There's another day where, where Jesus said hey, to these guys, he said, hey, your dad's the devil. Is that strong language? Yes, but, you know, if Jesus said it, I think it's okay for us to say, now we shouldn't throw that around every day, but if you call somebody the son of Satan, that's kind of strong language. But if the shoe fits, I'll say go ahead and use it. In order to clearly understand what the third commandment is, I think we need to keep it in context. Remember, text without context is just pretext, or we can just make it say whatever we want. Well, number one on God's top ten list, if you remember, 
is no other gods. Number two was to have no idols. Number three is don't use the Lord your God's name in vain. And so what we're talking about here is what we say about him. Or think of it this way, how we worship him. How we worship him, it's very important. Let's read the entire verse, Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. The word I want you to focus on is vain. God says it two times there. So he said, this is an important word. We need to understand what the word vain means. Because God is not going to hold him guiltless who takes the name, his name in vain. You know, there's times in the Bible where some people do this and God smokes them on the spot. So this is pretty important. This is an important topic. If, God, if God's willing to kill somebody on the spot, let's make sure we're not guilty of this one. Here's how this plays out in the real world. Number one, we don't tell God who he is. Because there's some people that say, well, I think God is like this. Well, I think God is like that. And what we th- there's people that say things like, well, you know what? It's all the same God. It's all the same God, just a different name. No, that is a violation of the third commandment. When I found out that our, my wife was pregnant, you know what the very first thing we did was? We got together and we got out some paper. We started writing down names. If it's a boy, I want to name the boy this. If it's a girl, I want to name this. You know why we did that? Because that's my baby. That's my child. It belongs to me. And so when you own something, you name it. And that is what people are trying to do with God. We're trying to exercise authority over God. We don't do that. He's an authority. Okay, He is the authority. We don't name him. He reveals his name to us. He is the Lord your God. He is the sovereign God. He is the one who is over all. And here's the second thing I need you to know is that he owns his name. He patents it. He he owns copyrights to it. He, he, He trademarks his name. Maybe you remember the day that we had a big meeting here, what we were going to name this church. What if when we came together, the the name that was chosen was PepsiCo Church? And then for the logo, we chose a big sphere with this red, white, and blue with a swoosh through it. How do you think that would go down? Let me tell you how that would go down. We would get a letter real quick to cease and desist and pick a new name should we have chosen to go that route. Well, that's how God is with, with his name. You know, there's a talk show host, he's pretty famous today, and I'm not going to say his name, because in his name he uses the God as part of his, I don't even like telling that story, but it's true, he does that, and it's a violation of the third commandment. Did you know the Jews today, they won't even say God, because they think that is a violation of the third commandment? Now, I greatly disagree, because there's plenty of scriptures that tells us to call on the name of the Lord. But context is everything. Context is everything of of how we use the the Lord's name and why we are using it. So what does it mean? Well, that word vain, what does the word vain mean? Well, the word vain means emptiness. It, It means trivial, light, or small, if you will. It's being disrespectful. It is being dishonorable. And we aren't to do this. In fact, we are commanded to do the opposite of this, which is to honor. 
Jesus tells us to honor the name of God. And Jesus says it this way in the New Testament, just to remember, if you don't remember this, that Jesus is God come in the flesh. And so the God that is speaking in Exodus, he's the same God that shows up in the Gospels. And so Jesus, the God-man, says it this way in Matthew 6, 9. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed, it means holy, it means respected, revered, honored be your name. And so the opposite of hallowed is taking the Lord's name in vain. And so what Jesus is doing here, he's teaching us how to not break the third commandment. And we do that by honoring God, by hallowing the name of God. I need to know that every commandment, all ten of them, they really have two sides. Two sides of the coin. And that's why I'm calling this, this series, Thou Shout. One, it's a nod to the King Jimmy version of the Bible. But often when we think of the ten commandments, we think of them as negatives. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this other thing. But that's not it. In fact, the, the Ten Commandments is very positive. When God says don't commit adultery, what he's saying, he's saying be faithful to your spouse. When God says don't covet, he, the opposite, the flip side of that is to celebrate all, everything that God has given you. Well, so to not take the name of God in vain, the opposite means honor God. Let me, let me go through four ways that we take the name of God in vain or how we use the Lord's name in vain. The number one way I'll say is with false promises. False promises is probably the, the first way that I want to bring to your attention that we take the Lord's name in vain. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 5, verse 33. He says, again, you have heard, it, heard that it is said of those of old that you shall not swear falsely. But you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. See, every time we make a promise, that is very much an oath. And when you say, I swear by such and such, okay, that's very much an oath, and we shouldn't throw those around haphazardly. But I think there's a time when that is appropriate. It's not wrong to do those things when you are intending to keep that thing that you're promising to do. There was a day, it was almost 17 years ago, I stood in a church much like this one and I held my bride's hands and I looked into her eyes and I say, I promise to honor and love and cherish you until death should, should separate us. I think that was a very good thing when I said that. If you're ever in this court of law, you'll have to raise your right hand and say, I, I, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me, God. Now, when you say those things and you intend on keeping those things, I would say that's a good thing, but if you say those things never intending to do that, well, that is a very bad thing, and I would say that's breaking the third commandment. Let me go through a couple. I'm sure you've heard some of these. How about this one? I swear to God, hope to die, stick a... You've heard that one. Stick a needle in my eye, right? And you, when people say that, they're saying, oh, this is true. And if this isn't true, I hope God can, will strike me blind. You know, I've heard that one several thousand times as a kid. And never once did I see a kid with a needle sticking in his eye. And many of those times, that kid was clearly lying. Okay, people do this because they want us to think that we're serious. They want us to think that we're committed. And so what we do is we include a little God talk. 
We sprinkle a little God talk on top of it to make you seem more believable. During the times of the Gospels, when Jesus was walking this earth, the, the, the Jews, they wouldn't say, I swear to God. They would never say that. So what they, you know, the reason why, because they feared they would get smoked on the spot. And so instead of saying, I swear to God, they would, they would swear by something else and kind of take it down a notch. They'd say, well, I swear by heaven, or I swear by the great city of Jerusalem. That's what they would say. And Jesus spoke against this. Look in Matthew 23, verse 16. Jesus says this, Woe to you, blind guides. Time out. See the strong language Jesus is, is using? He's, he's calling these guys blind guides. Again, if the shoe fits. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anybody swears by the gold in the temple, he is bound by the oath. You blind fools. He's now calling them fools, right? For which is greater, the gold in the temple that has made the, the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that's on the altar, he's bound by his oath. You blind men. Man, Jesus laying on thick, isn't he? You blind men, for by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. Because remember the temple in the Old Testament, that was the, the dwelling place of God himself. And whoever swears by the heavens swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Jesus is scolding these Pharisees, these really, really religious guys for breaking the third commandment. It's because they're taking this oath, they're saying, I swear by God's temple. But they wouldn't dare swear by the gold in God's temple? That's crazy. It all belongs to God. And so if we swear by any of them and then don't keep that oath, then we are breaking the third commandment. And we, we, we kind of make fun of these guys and point our fingers at these guys in Matthew 23. But the truth is, often we do the same exact thing. How about this one? Oh, I swear to God. And then fill in the blank. Have you heard this one? Oh, I swear to God. Don't, don't answer that question. I know you've heard that one. I swear to God I didn't do it. Uh, how about this one? As God is my witness. Have you heard that one before? As God is my witness, I'll never do that thing again. As God is my witness, I'll never drink again. As God is my witness, I'll never yell again. As God is my witness, I'll never go to that website again. And then we, break, we do it and we break the third commandment. How about this one? I swear in a stack of Bibles. I swear in a stack of Bibles. This is true. What we're saying is, you know what? One Bible is not enough. I need a big stack of Bibles. In fact, give me all the different translations. I need an ESV. I need an NIV. I need a New American Standard Version. Make sure one of them is that old school King Jimmy family style to come out that's bigger than the coffee table that it sits on. Give me a big heaping stack of Bibles. And I'm going to swear on all of them because what I'm saying is true. You know, that's what people do when they're lying. People say stuff like that when they're lying because people lie all the time. So what people have to do is we have to say these little spiritual things to, to get other people to believe us because people are really just liars at heart. Here's how James, Jesus' half-brother, would say it. He would say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's what he would say. He would say, don't start throwing around all this religious nonsense this whole bring me a stack of Bibles and then make me do this thing. 
Yeah, like this makes it serious because then we go, well, my fingers are crossed behind my back and if you do this, it undoes this. That's all nonsense. Don't do any of it. How about this one? I promise. Well, do you pinky promise? See, to be honest, I kind of like that one. I, I use that one myself. But <laughs> if, you, if you just your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't, don't, if you don't tend on doing it, then just make it be no. That's what James would say to do. How about this one? Here's another way we take the Lord's name in vain. Number two, with false prophecies. This one I don't think is nearly as common as the first one, at least not in the circle of friends I run with. But have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, well, the Lord told me to tell you. Really? That's what the Lord told you? I'm thinking, you know, I'm indwelled by the same Holy Spirit. Why did he go to you? Why is there this intermediary between God and me and you? Why didn't he just come straight to me? Are you like Jesus 2.0? No, you're not. (laughs) Here's a true story. This really happened to me once. We were at our old church in California, and this elderly lady came up to me and says, Pastor John, my husband and I were talking. We just wanted you to know that you're getting fat. I know, right? You're like, whoa, hey, rather aggressive. And then she said, and we think you should do something about that. First off, I own a mirror. I know what's good. You didn't get this big on accident. But second, you're not exactly a size four yourself. And, and the Holy Spirit's pulling the reins back saying, don't say it, John. And so this is what I said. I said, hmm, well, thank you very much. What if she would have said, now, John, God told me to tell you you're getting fat. Blasphemy and a breaking of the third. Now, she didn't do that that time. But rude, nonetheless. Um, Whenever you're telling rude church member stories, go ahead and bring that one up. Um, I got one that's even worse than that, but has nothing to do with the third commandment. But anyways, side note, church members, think before you speak, please. Um, That one's funny. This one's not so funny. As a pastor, I'm meeting with a husband once, and he came to me and said, Pastor John, God told me to divorce my wife. He said that, that God wants me to be happy. My wife isn't making me happy, so God has told me that it's okay to divorce my wife. And this is what I told him. I said, how dare you? How dare you blame your sin on God? God does not condone that. God did not tell you to do that. And to, to come up with this fake story and say, hey, God told me to go, it's okay, blasphemy. To say you're going to do some kind of act that's going to wreck a marriage and wreck your kids and wreck possibly your grandkids and then say God told you to say that? Blasphemy. I don't know if I've ever used that word in a sermon, but it, that one, it's, it's appropriate in that situation. That is full-blown textbook blasphemy. To have some sinful desire and say, oh, God said I can do that. Blasphemy. People st- say stuff like that all the time in other churches. It doesn't, it doesn't happen a lot around here. How about this one? I have a word from the Lord for you today. As if I get direct revelation from God. Okay? Um, that, that's breaking the third commandment when we do that. I don't get direct revelation from God. Okay? If you want direct revelation from God, here you go. It's called the Bible. We should read it. Okay? You, you want a word from the Lord? Well, here you go. The Bible also says, honor your father and mother. The Bible says to listen to the leaders of the church. It says to seek godly wisdom. It says test everything by spirit. I'm not done yet. We're going to keep going. How about this one? Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. Husbands, don't think you're getting off on this either. Here's one for you. Husbands, 
love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. We don't just get to walk around and and throw the God told me card down like this is the wild card in Uno of life. What we're doing is we're breaking the, the third commandment. We're taking the Lord's name in vain when we do that. Here's another way we take the Lord's name in vain. Number three, with false pretenses. Read this. Jesus speaking here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Time out. Let's, let's really look at Before we get to how that goes with breaking, I mean, it's up on the screen there. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. Jesus isn't playing around here, okay? We need to take this deadly serious of what Jesus is talking about here. Is Jesus the Lamb of God? Absolutely. And he is the Lion of Judah. And in the day of judgment, here's the truth. Not everybody's going to heaven. Some people are going to hell. And just because you you say you, you follow some guy named Jesus, but isn't the one true Jesus... We need to make sure that we're on the right side of heaven on this one. Go back to this verse. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your names and do many mighty works in your names? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus says... Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Keep this in context of, of, of breaking the third commandment. It's someone who's saying, Lord, Lord. This is just kind of paint this picture. Someone's coming up to Jesus and saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons, do all these great things in your name? Let me just simplify it. They're saying, didn't we all do all this great stuff for you, Jesus? But the truth is, it wasn't for Jesus. These people are standing, they're saying, you know what, Jesus, our whole life was about your name. Everything we did was for your name. All of this ministry we did, everything we accomplished was all in your name. But the truth is it wasn't for his name. Maybe it was in his name, but it wasn't for his name. So what people are doing is they're using God for their own benefit. They're saying, this is all for Jesus, and the truth is it's all for themselves. And Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. You're going to hell. That is really strong language here. And he calls them workers of lawlessness. It's when your words, Lord, Lord, and your works, they're false pretenses. It's when your word and your works, they don't match up. Now, I need to be very crystal clear here. I'm not talking about a Christian that's struggling. Let me tell you, living the Christian life, it is not easy. There's times we fail. But I'm talking about here people who say, Lord, Lord, and they're betrayed by their works. They're false pretenses. Here's what it is. It's people who are pretending to be Christians. They're not really Christians. All the time people say, well, somebody in that church hurt me. Maybe they're not even really really a Christian. Maybe they're fakes. Maybe they're phonies. Do you know that those people go to church? Jesus says there's going to be tares and weeds together in the church. There's going to be goats and sheep together, and he's the one that's going to separate them out. People are pretending to be one of God's people when they're not really one of God's people. 
They're associating with God and his people to get the benefits when they have no rights to that because they want all the benefits, but yet none of the commitment. How this plays out, sometimes people start businesses and they call it Trinity such and such company or Christian blank and blank company. People do that so that their businesses are more profitable. You know, it's not overly common here, but go to the Bible Belt. Go to the Bible Belt in America, and it's on every single street corner. People that are putting a fish logo on their business sign to make people think they love Jesus, but yet they can barely spell Jesus. They do that because there's well-intended Christians that want to hire other Christians because Christians are supposed to do everything unto the Lord And so they fake being a Christian so they can make more money. Another way this can can work out, how about great preachers? Great preachers that stand up and they preach all about Jesus. Or maybe they they write these great Christian books that everybody has to have on their shelves. And they make this career. Some people even get rich in the name of Jesus. But then they're not even believers. I think there's going to come a day where we finally get to heaven and we, we look for that great Christian influencer in heaven only to find out they're not there because they never believed what they said they believed. You think politicians do this? Oh, brother, about a couple million times politicians have done this and they do this in order to get elected, but yet they never believe what they claim they believe. Somebody running for office and they're waving the Jesus flag, but yet they don't believe any of it. How many times has a politician said, oh, God this, God that, God the other thing? Well, here's a question. Which God are you talking about? Won't you tell me this God that you say that you worship? How about this question, Mr. Politician? Is Jesus God? And watch him change the subject real quick. They're, they're, they're taking the Lord's name in vain, and they're, they're using the name of God as this catch-all. No, that doesn't work. Jesus is God. Here's another one. How about this one? This one, I'm, I'm, I, I said this in the first service. Even just telling this story just makes my blood boil. But I think this is a righteous anger. Because there have been politicians, namely elected members of our government, that has asked God to bless an abortion clinic? No way. No way. That is blasphemy. Asking God to bless something as abominable as Planned Parenthood? No. He will never do that. How can we not think that God's not going to judge us when our elected officials bring on that kind of nonsense? Here's the worst one I've ever seen with my own eyes. I saw this with my own eyes. I think it was about 2008. We were in California, and that's when uh, um, Proposition 8, I believe it was, that's, uh, that was the, the uh, traditional marriage act where marriage is one between one man and one woman, and that's it. And that actually passed in California only 13 years ago. Don't think it has a chance of passing today. But anyways, I went to a rally in, in, in favor of this. And when you go to those, the opposition's coming out in force. Well, you know, the other side of the street, there they were, and they're holding their signs. I read this one sign, and I wish I was making this up, but it said, Jesus kissed a man, and he liked it. Yeah, I know. My heart just sank for that person. This referring to the, the betrayal of Jesus in the, in the garden when one of his best friends came and gave the signal to the Romans, which was a greeting between friends, saying, this is Jesus, this is the one, arrest him and torture him and crucify him. And to say in any way that he liked it, blasphemy. Here's another way we take the Lord's name in vain, with false titles. 
Fourth way, we take the Lord's name in vain with false titles because the God of the Bible, he's a God of glory. He's a God that's glorious. And the, way, the, the, the word glorious, it means weighty, it means heavy, it means preeminent, it means significant. And when we treat him the opposite of that, when we dismiss him, when we make fun of him, Using the name of God as a way that's not projecting that, not presenting that God, God in that fashion. Presenting him like he's empty, he's, he, he's, he's trivial, he's light. It's talking about God like he doesn't even matter. Talking about God like he's not big, that he's just small, that he's not heavy, he's light, that he's not amazing, that he's ordinary, that he's not holy, that he's not different than us, that he's common, that he's just like us. It's making God trivial. How about this one? You ready? You've heard this one probably recently. It's saying, OMG. Oh, yeah, that, that is, that's taking the Lord's. It's saying, oh, my, fill in the blank. I don't even like to use the abbreviation, but that's what we're talking about here, trying to keep it real. It, it's also using God's name as a cuss word. Guilty. Ever hit your hand with a thumber and said, Jesus, don't answer that question. I know you have. <laughs> don't do that. It's breaking the third commandment. Uh, on a side note, how come nobody ever takes the false God's name in, 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 in vain? How come nobody ever hits their ha hand with a hammer and says, oh, my Buddha? Nobody ever says that. Okay, no one's ever on the golf course and shanks one in the water and says, Hare Krishna. Brian, have you ever heard that one on the golf course? Never heard that one. Okay, if you want to, go ahead and say that, because those ones are okay. <laughs> you know why God, no one ever says that? There's no power in those names. No one's getting saved in those names. There's no remission of sin in those names. It's only because of Jesus can we be forgiven. If you're a Christian, never, ever, ever say the G, fill in the blank. You know, don't ever say that. I don't even like the abbreviation, because it's making me think of the bad one. But even the abbreviations of breaking of the third commandment. I don't know, maybe you're like me, you look back on your life and you say, holy smokes, I have broken that too many times to count. I, I don't know how many times I've broken that, but I'm guilty. And there's some people who say, well, does that make you a hypocrite? No. Repent. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness from a holy God and he will forgive you. Because our God, the real God, the only God, he's a forgiving God. Quick to forgive. He's full of grace and he's, he's quick to lavish his grace on repentant sinners like us. What we're talking about here is Exodus chapter 20, right? The Ten Commandments. I want you to go back to Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus 20, God is speaking to Moses. In Exodus chapter 3, God is speaking to the same Moses and and um, he, he, he's, he's speaking to Moses through a burning bush. And I don't know, it doesn't say this, but I think it's a big bush. I think it's a big fire. I don't know. But the bush isn't being consumed by the fire. And God tells Moses to go do something. God says, hey, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, that guy that thinks that he's God, the guy that's in charge of the largest empire in the world, the grandest army the world has ever seen, the guy that, 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 that thinks he is God himself. And I want you to say that the one God, the true God, that you're not God, that he's God, tell him I said, let my people go. You tell that guy, let my people go, otherwise it's going to go real bad for him. 
And Moses has a question. I think it's kind of a funny question, but you know what? It's still, it's still, I think, legitimate question. Now, remember, they're in Egypt. And in Egypt at this time, there's all these different gods for anything and everything. And Moses kind of wants to know who's speaking here. I think Moses is thinking, he's like, wait a minute. You want me to walk up to the most powerful man in the world and say, take all your Jewish slaves and just let them go? He's going to want to know... Who, who told you to say that? And I don't think it's going to go real well for me. This is what the Lord God says to Moses. If you're a Christian, this verse should be worn on your Bibles. Exodus 3, 14. You mark that one. Have it underlined. This is one we need to memorize. It's an amazing verse. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God says his name is I am. I want to teach you a little, who wants to learn a little Hebrew? Well, you're going to learn. Say this, say haya. Okay, six of you. Try again. Haya. You just spoke Hebrew. That's I am in Hebrew. I remember the karate chop. Haya. That's, that's saying God's name in Hebrew. And then God goes on to say that he is God and God alone, and he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God that sets people free and then thousands of years later, Jesus comes on the scene and he, he's, he's throwing people out of, out of the temple. He makes a whip of cords and drives the money changers out and he clears the temple. And the Pharisees come up to Jesus and they essentially say, who in the heck told you you could do that? Who gave you the right to say and do the things that you're, that you're doing and saying? You know what Jesus says? John 8, 58. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him because Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Jesus isn't even 40 years old yet, and he's saying, before Abraham, I am. Remember Moses? Moses happened thousands of years before Jesus and 400, I believe, 30 years before before Moses was Abraham. And they're saying, you're older than Abraham? No way! You know why I can say that? Because he's God. Jesus is the pre-existent, eternal God. And what's just mind-blowing is what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, I was. That's not what he said. He said, I am. He's the present tense God that's here for us now. And so God says to Moses, his name is I am. And so then Jesus says to the, hey, the Pharisees, I am. Here's the deal. Let's think rationally here. Let's play through this. If Jesus is lying, he's breaking the third commandment. And he's taking the Lord's name in vain. And he's also breaking the ninth commandment because he's lying. If Jesus is lying, if Jesus is a blasphemer, then he's a sinner. And if Jesus is a sinner, then he's not the spotless lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus has to be sinless in order to go to the cross and atone for the sins of the world. And so if Jesus is lying here, we are wasting our time. We shouldn't even be here on Sunday. Let's go home and eat a lot of food and watch football because maybe tomorrow might come. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But what if Jesus, he wasn't lying? If Jesus isn't lying, this is the best news the world has ever or will ever hear because he's God. He's the Lord. If Jesus is being truthful, 
He's God come in the flesh. Do you know this is why they killed Jesus? They didn't kill Jesus because he's a nice guy. They didn't kill Jesus because he likes to feed people. They didn't kill Jesus because he heals the sick. They didn't kill Jesus because he likes to hang out with children. No, they killed Jesus because he said that he and he alone is God. That's why they tried to stone him in John 8, 59. They thought he was guilty of blasphemy. I've heard people say all the time, oh, Jesus never claimed he's God. Have you read the Bible? He very clearly said that he's God. And if he's lying, he's a blasphemer. She put him to death. But if he's being honest, then he is God. And again, that's why they killed Jesus. Because he said that he and he alone is God. So they took him and they arrested him. And they punched him in the face. And they plucked the beard from his face until blood poured out of the, where his hair used to be. And they spit in his face until the, the spit of sinful men mingled with the very blood of God. And they took him and they stripped him naked. And they took a cat of nine tails and they removed all the flesh from his body. And then they took him out on the road and they, they hung him on a cross. Naked and exposed for the world to see for six hours until eventually he died. And then they took a spear and they rammed it up between his ribcage, piercing his heart, pulling it out till, till water poured on the ground, telling us by on the shadow of a doubt, he is dead. And they buried him in a rich man's tomb. And what happens? Three days later, he comes back. And he said, I told you so. I'm God. Jesus isn't dead. Jesus is alive. And he didn't violate the first commandment because he is the only God. He didn't violate the third commandment because he didn't say anything that wasn't truthful about himself. And he didn't break the ninth commandment because he's not lying. He is the truth. And I need you to know that Jesus is the truth that set sinners free from the slavery of sin. Jesus is the only God that comes and dies in our place. No other religious figure ever did that. They never said they were God. They, 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 some of them died, but none of them came back from the grave. Why would he do that? Because you were made in the image of God. You are the very image bearer of God. And the truth is we've all sinned. Every single one of us. And our sin, it separates you, me, all of us. We're all separated from God. And the wage that we earn for a sinning is death, meaning we're all going to hell. That's why the God-man came. To pay the price that we have accrued for all of our lying, all our stealing, all of our immoral thoughts. We all deserve hell. And Jesus came and paid it all. And the Bible has the most glorious promise ever written in Scripture. It says, whoever calls in the name of the Lord, and Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You see, there must come this moment in your life where you recognize your sinfulness. And you must recognize the glory of Jesus that he is God that came and died for us. And if you cry out to him, he will save you. Something along the lines of, God, I'm a sinner. Save me. Save me from my sins. And I pray this in your holy, precious name. Amen.